You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Lamont, it actually feels kind of dirty talking about family business, but uh, they got it out here in the public. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, you have to like you have to. Uh, you're looking at the NFL team in this city. Nasty litigation going on between the two. It's a talking point, and it might only be a talking point on this station. Like I would be, I I might even have to tune into the Highway to Hell to see how much they brought it up. Like I would be very, maybe Lamont can tell us because Lamont listens to everything all the time. Like it's it's amazing how much he listens to. I think he has like seven ears that he can listen to all of this. Lamont, if you know, let us know. Like how much of that is being talked about at the Highway to Hell? How much do uh, the cardiac arrest, talk about Crane's wallet. Like, we might be the only station in town that can do that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. What are the greatest rivalries between siblings? 713-780-3776. We'll get to that in a moment. But there's a, I don't know if it's a gentleman. It might be a mom. I don't know. Oh, uh, there man. is a Carrie on the line that has beef with us. Carrie, why are you upset with the killer beast? Because my name is Carrie. K-E-2-R-Z-N-O-Y. How do you spell it? My entire life. K-E-2-R-Z-N-O-Y. Okay. Kerry. K-E-2-R-Z-N-O-Y. All right. It's always at. Kerry, how do you spell your name? Is that C-A-R-Y-E? Is that C-A-R-R-I-E? And I got one even better for you. When I was young, all it took was Kerry Ferry and the dust was flying. That's all it took. All it took was Kerry Ferry and the dust was flying. My son asked me when I was young, when he was young, Dad, why do you got all them scars on your hand? I told him it didn't come from being no fishmonger. <laughs> when he turned seven, when he turned seventeen, when he turned seventeen, he took a trip to Corpus, and they went out fishing out on the salt water. He came back in, and he heard the guys talking. They're gonna get the fish clean. They're fishmongers. He called me. It was like twelve o'clock at night. Dad, I know what a fishmonger is now, and he started laughing. But the Carrie name, my whole life, my mom, she did that because she thought I was gonna be a girl. But when I came out, she started K E two R's and a Y. And get this, my middle name is Lynn. Carrie Lynn. I'm I'm still mad at my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the call. Thanks, Carrie. Carrie. That was uh that was an interesting call. Carrie's mm-hmm. upset. It didn't sound that upset with us. But that Carrie spelled it with a K. That Carrie spelled I still have yet to find an American man. That has the name Carrie. It's a good call. Because this actor is from the UK. Because every guy we've named with a Carrie has been K-E-R-R-Y. Yeah. And then the only one that has come on the, on the text line was, that an English. was the English actor. I found some like low-level NFL player. Do they count? A low-level NFL of, player? Of course they count. I'm kidding. But like that's it. There's like five or six. If you, if you type in like famous Carries yeah. and like the Wikipedia comes out, the list is like 10 deep. Really? Is it Carrie Wools on it? Uh, I believe so. Are, are they spelled C A R Y? I specifically typed it that way. Well, who is the? Who are a couple of the famous carries? Let me pull up. Cary Grant is listed as the I don't number know who one. That is. I don't know who that is either. Old, old, old. Oh, was old that who you were just telling actor. me about? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so Cary Cary Duber. I've never heard of a Cary. They say he's a re- reality star. I don't know all about reality television. I don't know who that guy is. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What are the best sibling rivalries ever? Uh, I have a sports mind. Like people are texting in Cain and Abel. That's a good one. Uh, my mind goes like immediately to sports. Is there a better sibling sports rivalry than uh, Venus and Serena Williams? Right. That yeah. to me's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, it depends how you divide rivalry too, because they don't they don't have any like disdain for each other. No, it's just, just it's a competitive rivalry, competing for Grand Slam titles a, a, a lot. That was weird because like Venus was always. 
good early. And then, like, Serena came on and, like, just took her over. Uh, Austin says Peyton and Eli yeah, I was Manning. that's where I was going to go first. See, I never really thought that as much of a rivalry. One, because they're playing on this – they're both playing offense. They're never going toe-to-toe. They're Different not hitting each other. Yeah. And, like, I, I imagine they didn't play a ton because no. they're – like, they played once every four years. Right. So – and their careers were staggered a bit as well. So I bet that they only played, if I had to guess, maybe, like, three times. It's pro- yeah, I don't think it was very frequent. But I think that it's just the rivalry of like who's got the better better resume, who's Maybe got so. the better stats, things like that. Because actually, Venus and but Serena never going didn't play toe to toe. all that much. I think they play more than you think. Really? Because I'm sure that they met up in a bunch of tournaments. Now, Grand Slam finals, things like that, probably not. But like, did they meet in the quarters? Did they meet in all these other tournaments? I bet you that they did. I bet you they played quite a bit. Uh, he, this guy mentions Jose and Ozzy Canseco. See, I, I don't think that's a good rivalry either. Like, they might be comparing, you know, records and bragging rights, but it's not hitter versus pitcher. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Venus and Serena are serving tennis balls to one another. Eli and Peyton are going head-to-head. Jose and Ozzy aren't going head-to-head. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, greatest sibling rivals. <laughs> 8240 says the Maton brothers, LOL, just kidding. You might be LOL, just kidding, but it led to a broken hand. When he Phil punched the lock. It led to yeah. a broken yep. hand, yep. and it forced Phil Maton to Missed the entire postseason, like a pretty significant injury. Because there's no doubt about the fact that you've got that. I mean, but you, you people say, well, it was because he left, left off the playoff roster. He also just gave up a hit to his brother, and I don't think he was happy about that either. No, no, he, did, he didn't know about the uh, – do you think he knew about the playoff roster? I seriously doubt it. Probably. Well, he was actually – that was at a time when he was also pissed he off was, that he just wasn't performing well. He was on the brink of not yeah. making it, but yeah. they didn't announce the playoff roster until at least a week later. So, like, he wouldn't have known. Maybe he was reading the tea leaves and he kind of thought so and he was frustrated. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely because he was not pitching well and he gave up a hit to his brother. There was the Necro brothers and the Russell brothers from a pitching perspective. But, again, like you hmm. said, I don't know that they faced each other a whole lot. But, you know, Phil and Joe Necro. Yeah, pitch, both pitchers, though, right? Yep. So, like, you don't have hitter versus pitcher. Like, right. I'm kind of looking at a toe-to-toe, like, going head-to-head. The like, guy like, for the Padres. There's one. The guy Owen for, Hart, Bret Hart. Uh, and the pitcher for the Phillies. Undertaker, Kane. No, the w- fake. one of the best pitchers. Who's one of the better Still pitchers real for to the me. Phillies? That played at LSU. Oh, you're talking about the Nolas. Yeah, the Nolas. Austin and Aaron yeah, Nola. Yeah, Austin and Aaron Nola. Yeah, that's a good call on that one. I mean, there was a Super Bowl. Yeah, the Harbaugh. Between brothers. Yeah. Like, yeah, both coaches. Someone yeah. texted that one in, too. That's a good one. That's that a really a good, good one. one. I don't think it's as good as Venus Serena. Now, it's a much more popular sport uh, than, than, uh, than tennis, of course. The Diggs brothers, that's a good call because you have wide oh, receiver corner. Now, yeah. I'd be curious how much they've played. I don't think they've played much, if at all. Like, because you had, he wasn't in the league yet. Whenever Diggs was traded to Buffalo, right? So if they've played, they've probably only played once. Well, and then it couldn't happen to this year because didn't Diggs get – he was out for the year pretty early. Um, I don't know if Buffalo – did Buffalo play Dallas this year? I don't know. I can't okay. – Oh, Uh-oh. boy, you're going to break Ladies this riveting conversation. Joe's got a serious look. Look at that look. Oh, he's got a nod, That's too. That's a serious look. We have major breaking news. Really? We have another coaching change. Nick Saban has retired. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Nick Saban has officially retired. Wow. That is a monster. D'Amico to Alabama? I was going to say Pete Carroll to Alabama. They're not going to hire Pete Carroll. No. Hey, hire Bill O'Brien. They're not going to hire Bill (laughs) O'Brien. No, they're not. What if they hired Lane Kiffin? Kiffin. Mm Mm-hmm. My goodness, that, I'm going to have to take a second to think about that. One, that one, like, who, that, like seriously, that who would be me. candidate 1A for Alabama? I mean, it was always Dabo. Different. It was always Dabo. It was always the name. Dabo makes some sense. Oh, it makes a hell of a lot of sense because Clemson ain't going anywhere. And the, con- the with all the conference realignment and everything else, and they've been less than stellar, Dabo makes a whole hell of a lot of sense if that's who they want. 
has has the luster of Dabo worn off though? Where kinda, Alabama wants yes. Dabo. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's intriguing. You know what's what's interesting too about Saban doing it? Like it's late in the process for college football coaching hires. Super late. Yeah, but who who the hell wouldn't want that job? No, right? I know that, but it, those are like wrenching to everything. Kiffin would. I, I mean, not Kiffin. Um, it's like a second domino effect. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, they're not going to hire Lincoln Riley. Why not? Because he sucked this year. He sucked this year, but he's had a lot of success, yeah. and he can he can get a lot of recruits. I think he's been a lot of allure more than like tangible winning. I don't think Pete Carroll wants it. with NIL and transfer. No, I, I don't. Think, yeah. I think Pete Carroll will be back at the NFL. But I mean, we're gonna have two Ooh, teams. I don't, I don't think that either. Two teams from the Final Four Dang. are gonna be without their coach. See, I think Michigan just promotes their OC. That would yeah. be my call with Michigan. So I don't think that that really has like much of a domino effect. I don't think I don't think that there's an in-house guy at Alabama ready to take over. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that they certainly hire from the outside. Your Notre Dame guy is not ready for it. No way. I think, not even close. I think they would call D'Amico. I'm being dead serious. Now, now, why wouldn't you? I well, think they absolutely they would call D'Amico. Now, I don't think D'Amico even comes close nope. to entertaining it because he's an NFL guy. I don't think he's was, when it's any desire of dealing with college football. So I think that they'll make it known that they would like D'Amico, and I think D'Amico will quickly turn them down. Um, I think it might be Kiffin. I think Kiffin could be the guy in Tuscaloosa. I'm sure there'll be betting, I'm sure there'll be betting odds on it here in the next 15 minutes. Because Kiffin and Sark, Sark's not going. I, w- I don't think that Sark would leave Texas. For I don't Bama. think so either. Like, he's got a pretty good thing going. They're also going to the SEC. Like, the thing with, like, I know that Lane Kiffin's also in the SEC, but that's a step up. Of, like, his, previous, of his previous coordinators, though, I'm just thinking, Kiffin and Sark no. are the two guys that kind of, because Bill O'Brien, we both agree, yeah, does not make sense. No chance. There's so no it would be chance. the Kiffin or Sark in terms of guys that have recently been with him. Like, like who, who else could it be? You know who I, uh, how about uh, DeBoer? Well, he's hell- everywhere yes, that he, he goes, does. You, offensive mind. You go into an absolute. It's a step up from. I think Washington's a good job, but it's not Bama. Nope. It's a. It's a step up. That that would make some sense to me because I think Alabama is going to go big name hunting. I think they're going to go for the the best name that they could possibly find. I think DeBoer would be on that list. I think Landing from Oregon could be on that list. What about uh, Kirby? I Kirby feel- wouldn't go back. I don't think that he would leave Georgia. For, I think Georgia's a better job right now. Than I, I kind of do, too, but Kirby's got ties there. That I just, I'm, That's why I'm asking the question. Yeah, I don't would think he so. consider it? I don't think he would consider it. DeBoer is a guy that's got to realize with where the team sits, how easy recruiting is at Alabama versus Washington in the SEC, DeBoer's got, he would be an idiot to not entertain that if they were interested in him. How about Honestly, a lie I, I drink think Dan Lanning makes the most sense. From Oregon? I don't know his background enough. Like I don't know what his ties are to the SEC or if he has like South he's East recruiting, uh, but he's a hot name. He's won a lot. DeBoer's won a lot. Uh, I think I think Kiffin will be in the mix there. How about Elia drink with you from Missouri? Like he's Missouri he's had been, a hell of a year. He's been really good. And That's like, a big he's jump. Won in the S- it's a huge jump, but he's won in the SEC with a lower level program, and now you're giving him tons of resources. Okay. Uh, but, Dan Lanning, graduate assistant for the University of Alabama in okay. 2015. There's some ties. There's a tie. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If we're Alabama, you don't need to be Mark Davis. You don't need to be Big Splash, but you kind of do. Because from recruiting, in order to keep the ship sailing in the right direction the way they've been going, you can't just go young, hot coordinator or young, hot coach at a different university and go, he's the right answer. Because if you can't woo and and wow the recruits, then you can coach your ass off, but you're not going to have the same talent that that, that Saban's had in, in the in the. You know his run there. 
And you also got to believe Saban's going to have a, a say so in it, right? I would not give him a say so. I think they would. I would not. I think absolutely they, not. The problem is, I is think that they will. They, I think they might, I, but I wouldn't. I tend to agree that they right. will. I do. I, I'm with you. I wouldn't. But like, look <laughs> at Duke and North Carolina basketball. I know, and I don't yeah. bite my tongue. Um, what was I going to say? They're not in the Big Twelve yet. I forgot what I was going to say about Saban. Do you, about him having a say in it? No, no, no. It wasn't about that. It was oh. whatever we were talking about first. What about, I agree with you all that he will. Well, I, I, I was saying in, in terms of like recruiting too, and, and, and oh, keeping the, name, the shape going. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I don't. I don't think that the. I don't think that the like the star value matters. I think that you have to find a really good head coach, which Lanning would be. Which I, like I don't think DeBoer star power. But he's a really well, good coach. But, but right now he's relevant, right? Yeah, because but I don't think he's like star power with all these recruits. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that you look at him like, oh my goodness. Well, I think Lincoln Riley has more star power than than DeBoer. From the history, from their resumes and everything else, they do. But we're talking about recency. Recency right now is DeBoer just coached in the national championship game. Sure, but does he have a name that registers with the recruits more than like Lincoln Riley? I don't think that he does. Or like Elia Drinkwitzia. He had a much better year than Lincoln Riley. A lot of people, you say the name Elijah Drinkwitz. Who? Right. Who's that? Right. Like, so I don't, to me, it's not so much about the stardom. It's about the caliber of coach. But if you know he's a big offensive mind, you know he's done it at different levels. If you do a little homework on the guy. Why does offensive mind matter? Nick Saban I'm wasn't saying an for, offensive guy. But I'm saying for offensive players that he, he can coach, he, he can coach the, the kind of newfangled college and pro football passing happy offenses now. And you know that he's won on multiple levels. He just was coaching in the national championship game. You can get you can get the attention and keep the attention of recruits that way because he he has national prominence just for being in the national championship game. Yeah, this is uh, I, time, I can't time. Be, I can't believe Saban retired. I, I can't. I did I'm, not. I'm shocked. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Prime I thought time. Saban would coach for another decade. No chance. <laughs> there's no chance. I know there's zero chance. No chance. Uh, Brian Kelly, watch out for it. I thought about that too. The there UCLA. Were these, were, there the, were these weird rumors. No, oh, Brian, I'm sorry, Chip Kelly. Kelly. I'm, I'm, there were these weird rumors that if Harbaugh leaves Michigan, Brian Kelly is leaving LSU that to go makes, to Michigan. That makes more sense to me than Bama. I think so too. But like, if he's already ready to leave LSU for a different job, but is he? Why is he leaving LSU? Because he's more of a northern type of coach. I guess. Yeah. So like, you're leaving. L- I think Bama's better job than LSU, not by much. But like, that's that. That one's weird to me. I don't see. I don't think Bama would want him. Like, I, I really don't. I, I think that we named the short list. Uh-huh. I think it's Lanning. I think it's DeBoer. And I think that it's um, Lane. I think Kiffin. that's the short yeah, list yeah, right yep, now. Yep. Uh, let us know whenever you see odds. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. I, I had a doozy of a travel day. Late Monday into early Tuesday. I want to tell you guys about that. And, and it also leads the question, what are the worst travel days that you have ever had. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Get into worst travel days in a moment. Uh, he's Blank, I'm Branham. 291-2912. Saban said in the last few years that Sark would be his choice. Would you leave Texas to go to Alabama? I think it's plausible. Yeah. I think it's plausible. One thing that is a um, – I, I don't know how it's going to translate to the SEC. I know that there's been a lot of Texas coaches that hate dealing with the Longhorn Network. But now that you're going to the SEC, does that, like, you know, hassle, that chore? Uh, I think that would probably go away. But that will be interesting to, to see if Sark would leave um, Texas for Alabama. Now, we know that Alabama has had coaches taken from Texas A&M in the past. Hello, Dennis Francione. Uh, Dan Lanning is reportedly from Brett McMurphy, the expected to be the top candidate. There you go. Dan Lanning, I I want to say that Dan Lanning 
last year said he would not leave Oregon. Yeah, well. Well, you got Phil Knight's money, coaches too. Coaches never lie. It's ever. Alabama. Coaches never lie. They're always telling you the 100% truth. Yeah. Always. I'm just saying, though, Phil Knight, with his pocketbook, has desperately tried to keep to put Oregon more on the map in those top five you know, programs in basketball and football. And I don't think there's a price associated with the fact that just the, the overall clout of Alabama and college football, you can't compete with that. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's it's one of the better jobs in all of football. I mean, it's probably on the short top three, top yeah. three, uh, maybe top one. Uh, Keith Jimbo Fisher to Alabama. LOL, kidding. I, I was having a conversation with some buds the other day. You think Jimbo Fisher coaches again? I don't. I don't either. Mm-mm. I don't think that he coaches again. Cause, uh, because, again, like you and I have, have talked about both on and off the air, though, it's it's such a grind as it is to coach whatever sport you coach in college. But now when you're talking about the transfer portal and NIL money and the fact that, you know, 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you got to be on. Mm-hmm. It takes a toll on these guys. I also don't think a power five job would hire him. So does does Jimbo want to go to a group nah. of five job where he's already made 75 plus million dollars? And I think the power five jobs that would hire him, he would feel are beneath him. Maybe so. Like, and a, you got, like a West Virginia and like Vanderbilt. These, Vanderbilt, like these are Rutgers. Yeah, but he's and plus you got 80 mil free money coming your way. You love being on the ranch. You've said you love your ranch and Texas and, and everything about it. Why would you? Because you, know? you ruined your legacy. So maybe you can try to fix it. Yeah. I, I think he's fine with the money in the bank versus the Yeah, I don't think he coaches resurrection. Ocho always thought Nick Saban would go out like Bear Bryant and die one month after he retired. Well, we got 30 days. We got 30 days, Ocho. Oh, great. Morbid death Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Ryan, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, fellas? How about this candidate with SEC ties and good amount of business? What about Urban Meyer? <laughs> I thought about it, but I don't think Alabama wants all the, the sideshow and all the reputation of Urban Meyer these days. Yeah, I don't think Urban Meyer was good at mound visits. I think he was good at walking by his place kicker and kicking him in the back. Um, Urban would be... Urban's interesting to me if he ever coaches again. It's not going to be at a prestigious elite job like Alabama. I could be, I could see it though being a second tier Power Five job though. Like, um, uh, let me just throw out it like a South Carolina type. Um, like Atlantic. if you go big, no, that's too low. Like if you go, like I thought he would make sense at Michigan State, like a conference that he's absolutely mm-hmm. dominated. That's not Michigan. That's not Ohio State. Um, somewhere like that, like Wisconsin, like you know, a lousy program. Easy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Worst travel days you've ever had. Uh, Monday, I had a flight to Des Moines, Iowa, and I had to figure out a way to get 30 miles ish north to Ames, Iowa, uh, before yesterday's Cougar basketball game. So I had an 8 p.m. flight, left right after our show, straight to the uh, to the airport. Ended up getting delayed until 1 a.m. Ooh, it got delayed at 1 a.m. So I get into Des Moines, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I need to find a way to Ames. If you hadn't been paying attention to the news, there was a winter storm right. that pounded Iowa. Nonstop snow. Wouldn't call it a blizzard, but nonstop snow. So I'm trying to get an Uber, feverishly trying to get an Uber. Finally, one guy comes. He pulls up. I'm like starting to put my bags in his car, and he's like, yeah, I'm not driving to Ames. I was like, oh, okay, that's fair. Like, I can't force you to drive to Ames during a winter storm when there's ice all over the road and snow all over the road. I understand. I appreciate you being honest with me and not killing me on the drive. So at that point, I realized there's no chance that I'm getting an Uber or a Lyft until, like, morning. Like, there's no way I'm getting one until, like, at least 8 o'clock. So at this point, I'm in the baggage claim at the airport, 4, 4.30 in the morning, 
And I, I just make the decisions. Like, I'm, I'm just going to try to, like, work. I'm going to try to knock off some things on the, on the bucket list to do. I ended up falling asleep for, like, 30 minutes. Ended up getting a guy, in a, in a great, great guy, F-150, four-wheel drive, that drove me through the snowstorm into Ames, Iowa. I got to my hotel room at 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. yesterday morning. Was Can the, I ask, when you packed, did you look at the yeah. weather report? Were you at least yeah. warm? No, I, yeah, yeah, I was warm. I had plenty of warmth. Okay, you I, had knew, hat, I knew the, I gloves, knew it was cold. Parka. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I knew it was cold. Now, I was in baggage claim. Like, I wasn't outside. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't, like, in the storm. But that's the worst travel day I've ever had. An 8 p.m. flight that got delayed until 1 a.m., land in Des Moines at 3.30, stuck in the airport because I can't get to my final destination, and I finally get to the hotel at 10 a.m. in the morning. What's the worst you've had? The worst I had was with the Rockets. And we were in Washington, D.C., and it was a blizzard. And we had a game the next night, and I forget where we were going. But basically, the main airport in Washington, D.C. was shut down. So we were on the team buses after the game that we played, and we were at the airport. And literally, the, the equipment guy and the security guys, they were having snowball fights on the <laughs> runway. And, and they basically said, you're not going anywhere. And then the decision was made, well, we have to go because the NBA and everybody says, we have to play tomorrow. So they had the president's runway at whatever air, airfield he flies out of. So we bus over there, and just the fact that what they went through just to get all the ice off the plane yeah, and then cleared the runway, and we were like, and we were all like going, is this the smart decision? Are we going to do this? And the first, say, 30 minutes of that flight, I can't tell you how many discussions were had about if we get through this and last will and testaments mm-hmm. and all of those kind of things and how scary the plane ride was to where – there were so many faces of relief once we got over the storm, and then when we finally landed, that you'd see these you know the millionaires and grown and all these grown men literally coming to tears, and you're like, "Are we going to make this?" Yeah, Bur- I hate the term turbulent. I can't stand. Oh, I hate it. Uh, let's go out to the HRP listener line, Brian. What's your worst travel? Uh, it's actually a two parter, both legs of an international trip. Mm. This was about six years ago. Uh, wife and I took the then one-year-old with us on the Mediterranean cruise. Oh. Non-stop flight from Houston to Istanbul, 13 and a half hours. Kiddo slept maybe 30 minutes. Had a layover in Istanbul, oh. got to Rome. We had a car service through the uh, hotel that we were staying at. They didn't show up. So it's 11 o'clock at night in Rome. We can't get taxis. I don't have euros to, to get one. Somebody took pity on us and did us a favor, um, and I had just enough American dollars to get us to the hotel. Kiddo has a blowout in the car. Oh, we, no. get the we get to the hotel about 1 a.m. On the way back, we leave from Rome in the cab on the way to the hotel that we're only barely staying in for a couple hours. Kiddo pukes all over the wife Man. inside the cab. We have no way to do laundry before we leave. Early morning flight out of Rome. They, the airline does not have our kids' ticket. So I have to make an international roaming call to get all that sorted out with the 800 number for United. Uh, randomly selected to be searched when uh, we change planes in Brussels. Therefore, the last one's on the plane. Change planes again in Chicago. Our car seat does not make it, and we find this out when we get all the way back to Houston. And Kato has another blowout while we're waiting for the baggage baggage claim. It's delightful. That's, that's awful, Brian. But what in God's name made you want to travel with a one-year-old yeah, in the bad, first place? Bad take. 
Yeah, that 13-hour trip. And let's be like, Brian's traveling to Rome and Brussels and it's Istanbul. Flexing. Like, something tell me he's doing all right. Yeah. Sorry about the travel. Do you also catch that he made a roaming call in Rome? Did you catch that? That's good. Uh, I thought it was Brussels. I, I think it was before Brussels. I could be wrong. Okay. I like mine better. Roaming call in Rome makes more mm-hmm. sense, or it sounds better than roaming call in Brussels. 4072 flew to Vegas for a week trip. Two days later, the mayor of Vegas closed down Las Vegas because of COVID. Tried to catch an early flight home. All flights were canceled. Had to rent a car and drive back to Houston. Nearly a 17-hour road trip. That, that's unlucky. That's not awful. That's, it's unlucky. It's not the worst thing ever. Uh, 3039, not really a travel day, but once drove on vacation from Houston to Tennessee to Florida and back to Houston in six days with two young kids. Never again. That's way worse than the Vegas 19-hour drive by yourself. never should have considered it in the first place. That's brutal. 0170, worst travel day was coming home from Philmont. Got up uh, before dawn for a bus ride from Cimarron, Cimarron? Uh, New Mexico to Colorado Springs. Plane ride from Colorado Springs to Denver. Layover in Denver. Landed in Philly at like 9 or 10. That doesn't sound too bad. That doesn't sound that bad. Uh, 7142, I once had to fly back to Chicago. Chicago from Paris on Christmas Day during a snowstorm because I forgot my son on a family vacation. Is that Home Alone? <laughs> I think that's. I think that, that that's Home Alone. Forgot your son? It's Home Alone. Yeah. Like your son. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. A why the face Wednesday? Joe makes faces on Wednesday. What's forcing him to make those faces today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings. Guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. This guy says, uh, worst travel. I was on Alaska Airlines flight a few days ago, and the door had a hole in it. All right. You, you, was, well, let's just start there. <laughs> That's where the segment starts. Yeah. Y- you win. Well, <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like proof that you were on that flight because I saw it on the news, and it's forced every airline to ground every airplane that looks that, that is that particular the, yeah, model. It's like the 737 yeah. Max is what it is. Yeah, but the people that were on it that were actually still shooting video without freaking the you-know-what out. Wow. Some people lost their phones because they got sucked out. I don't I don't think I saw, that's a lie. I saw that one of them, uh, like the, the phone that got sucked out, like it still works. I don't know how. how. Who the hell found it and where? I don't I guess whoever. I don't know. I don't know. That's just what I saw. It could be a lie. Very well could be a lie. I don't believe everything you read on the internet. But it is what I read. Yeah, I don't know what I would do if, if I was... I mean, I, I would sit there and pray. Yeah, is what pray. I would do. Yeah, I guess I do know options? what I would do. I guess I do know what I would do. It's not like there's parachutes I'd on the plane. I'd be terrified and say a lot of prayer. <laughs> but some of the people with some of the video, it looked like the, the, there's this massive hole in the side of the plane, and the guy's looking like... Why isn't his entire body look like it's being pulled towards the hole of the plane? Nice. I'm like, I'd be, one, your seat belted in. But are you thinking, I got to get away from the hole in the side of the plane because I won't have as much... Force and suction taking me out. Or I feel you just, like you, you're fine. You know you're screwed when you take off your seatbelt, though. Forty. That's minutes. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, why would you take off your seatbelt? Well, to try, try and move back. Try and move back. Uh, to get away from that hole. I would just. I would ride it out. See, I feel like by the time they started taking video, they all kind of realized that for however whatever reason they were okay. Forty minutes. Like I they can't imagine. Like yeah, I can't imagine they were taking video as soon as it happened. True. No. It's like once like everyone was like, okay, like we're gonna be fine. Like that's when you start taking video. It's like when someone falls. If you ever go ice skating, you don't laugh until they get yeah. up and prove they're okay. Yeah, that was very much the same thing there. Yeah, very similar. It's true. <laughs> Speaking of flying, uh, this woman went viral 
I just want to get your guys' take on this. So there was a, it was like one of those where it's a, it's four seats in a plane, and she had one, and this family was it's a four person family. They took up the other three seats. The dad comes up and asks her to move, and they went viral for like like fights, like fighting about it, like. They got into it because he asked her to move seats. And he where was where was his seat? It was in the window. It was it was not an aisle. It was not a middle seat. That's all I know. So it's either aisle or window. Yeah. And what, what was the dad's seat? Do we know? Huh? Um, no, I don't know. Was the dad? Okay, so these are these are huge variables in the story. Well, and that's what I was going to kind of ask. Like, if it's if you had an, another aisle seat, even if it was like you paid more money for it to be closer to the front of the plane or mm-hmm. whatever, like, do you feel obligated to move? If it's an eye for an eye, I would. I would probably move no matter what, but I would understand if somebody does not want to move from an aisle or a window to a middle seat. Or if it's like Especially depending on the length of the room, flight. Length of the flight's gonna be a huge variable too. So like I, I wouldn't be upset with somebody for not trading if they had a window or an aisle and now they're moving to a middle. I wouldn't be upset for somebody not trading if they paid for like an right. extra like even if it's like uh, I forget the I forget the, the lingo that they use, but like Coach Express, where you get a little bit more egg, like leg room. Like if you're going from Coach Express to Coach, like okay, that's you're, you're really doing a big favor there. So I understand that side of it. it depends. I need to know more on this. Do you, do you scout out the potential seat first? No doubt about you it. You have to. Yeah. I look at I look at where I'm sitting on a flight until 15 minutes before it takes off. Because you can find, like, now with, like, on these apps, like, I use United a lot. You can look at the United uh, seat map, and you can change your seat to an open seat, like, before you check in, like, 10 minutes before the flight. So I'll scout places that I can have an empty row or an empty seat next to me. So, like, I will go anywhere on the plane if I can have the seat next to me open. So I hunt that. And, and the other thing, after everything that we talked about previously, too, is if it's an hour flight, if it's an hour and a half flight, I, I, I'm going to be a little bit more open to and Because you understand from a family perspective with kids sympathizing that you want them to all be together. But at the same time, if it's a four or five hour flight and, and I'm going from the ideal seat that I wanted to a, a more compromised flight, that's why I'm scouting it out. I, I ain't doing that for that long of a time. Yeah. Unless it's a little kid. Then it's like I feel like I would be having both into doing parents it. being there would help them from crying. Yeah, I'd be guilted into doing it, but I can understand somebody not doing it. I will say, like I feel, I feel different now than I probably would have three years ago. Like before I had. That's a kid. what I mean. Like before I had a kid, I'd probably be like, "Meh, I'm a bad person." <laughs> but now that I'm a parent, I'm like, "Eh, probably move." Whenever yeah. we book the family vacation flights, or even when like it's grandma traveling with the kids, or we're, we're traveling. You always say, you know, hopefully someone will switch with us. But you have to have the realistic approach these days that there's just so much going on that probably there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to want to do that. Good uh, good talk, Russ, says your poor planning does not constitute an emergency for me. That's a fair point, too. It, no, a- I don't think you have the right to get angry as, like, th- this guy has no right to be angry with the woman. No, no chance. That's right. That's like, right. That didn't move. It's like, it's your fault. Like, you didn't yeah. plan well enough. Yeah, you didn't buy your tickets enough. early enough. Like, whatever it is, like, it is your fault. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the other one I have here, uh, do you guys see the news about Eric Spolstra? Yeah. Which well, one, the money one or the divorce one? The divorce one. Because oh. apparently uh, he got divorced officially in November, and the Heat have been wanting to give him this contract since before that, <laughs> but they waited until after his divorce to give him the contract so he doesn't lose any of the money. Just, it just proves heat culture is for real. Well, they love him. Yeah, there's no doubt that starting with Pat Riley, 
Everyone in the, and Mickey Harrison, everybody in the organization loves it. Yeah, I just laughed when I saw it. It's an accounting win. She was a, she was a former Heat win. dancer. Yes. Yeah. He's a current Heat coach. He is. Yeah. He's but he was a video room guy. Probably he was. That. He was. Yeah. He, he was a nobody. No. He was a point guard. He dated Rick Adelman's daughter, and he was a point guard at the University of Portland. Yeah, still a nobody. Growing up. And then, name the last five University of Portland point guards. No way. The last five, no. <laughs> I can name one. I can name a previous head coach. Terry Porter. Yep. I think he played at Portland. No, he did not. He played at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. But Spolstra... I can't team. believe I didn't know that. The reason why Spolstra <laughs> got to where he got, too, was as video coordinator for the Heat, that he befriended Dwayne Wade and would come in when Wade wanted to get extra shots up and everything like that, and then Dwayne Wade kind of helped push him up and say, we need to consider Spo for a lot more. Yeah, Joe, you, you didn't you didn't find that underground story in New York to make faces? You I didn't know. To you? Yeah, there was like an underground tunnel in New York. This is quite the story. And like, I, I don't really know about the story, so you have to tell it. I have no idea. Okay. I don't understand the story either, other than a bunch of guys of a certain religion were under the like apartments in New York. They built an underground tunnel in New York and were living in it for months. Living in it. They were, weren't they living in it for months, Joe? Yeah. And there was like this guy on Twitter that was saying he was hearing a lot of people. Like, like under his apartment, apartment. And people were calling yeah. him crazy. People were calling him crazy. Like, you're an idiot. You're losing your mind. And it turned out he was right. Yeah. It turned out he was right. I don't. This is it's unbelievable. And what the hell are they doing down there? Ain't living. But more, hopefully that's <laughs> living, just it. Living their best lives. I don't. I, I think that there were. I mean, I, there was like a motive here. That's that what I'm afraid of. I didn't really care enough to look into it. Other than they were living underneath the ground. In New York for months. I'd care about it if there were destructive thoughts with a tunnel under massive apartment buildings. I mean, I think they were getting from point A to point B. It was to get them to the synagogue. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, they're going to. Why couldn't they just walk down the street? It's faster. (laughs) How do you build? Why couldn't they take the subway? Like, how do you build a tunnel in New York under the ground and no one notices? Where's the dirt going? What's under the ground, for one? I Um, know, but like, you figured, like, Somehow people would find, like, see you going into the tunnels you're making. Like, how long, how did it take them this long to get caught? Access, how you getting, how you digging the tunnel? Where is the dirt going? What do you do? I mean, what could you run into? Well, there's this video going around today from New York. You can see him, like, jumping out of the hole. I don't even know how to describe it. But you're digging it with all the dirt and everything like that in a city, like a a concrete jungle like New York. there's There's this video that's going viral today. Like, I don't, I just don't even. No, I describe it. It's just there's this homeless dude laying by the subway, and you see like the video as the guy gets closer, like these rats leaving the blanket, and then like as the guy gets closer, he goes, "Hey, dude, wake up!" And the guy like wakes up, lifts the blanket, and like 15, 10, 15 rats like leave the blanket and go running to the subway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Into the subway? Yeah, they left. Was there a guy in the blanket with the rats? It yes. looks like it. Oh, yeah. That's like, disgusting. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Why the face? That's why. Yeah, you guys have great faces right now. It's gross. I'll send it to you. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. That's... And in New York, they have rats the size of, like, German shepherds. I, when, whenever I went to D.C., it was like that. Like, I got out of the subway in D.C., and I started to walk down, like, the streets to get back to my hotel, and you saw hundreds of rats just, like, beelining to the uh, oh, New York to the sewage. Definitely like that. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, Bobby Slowick is getting interviews, and uh, many, many people are saying that he's not taking the job. He's not taking the job. Just remember that all of these candidates are only one big offer away. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. 
you're back where you belong. In the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. All right, Bobby Slowick has been uh, mentioned uh, as a coaching candidate in this coaching cycle a, a lot. And now we've we've seen that he has two teams that are interested in interviewing. They've requested permission to interview Bobby Slowick to be their head coach. Washington did. Carolina did as well. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's head coach of the Texans, he went through this process twice. First year, he's like, eh, you know, just kind of wanted to go through the process, fill it out, get a better feel for it, maybe wait for a better opportunity. Uh, D'Amico was asked about this. Yeah, a horse D'Amico Ryan's was asked about this yesterday and, and gave his advice for Bobby Slowick and how he should approach the potential uh, of being a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, my advice to Bobby is just be selective, right? You only get one opportunity to do it. You want to make sure you're selective and you're going to, you know, if you get the opportunity, go to a place that you feel like you can be effective. I think it's good advice. Uh, be selective, pick a job that you want, and be go to a place that you feel like you can be effective. Uh, I think it's sound advice for D'Amico, who's short-winded because he doesn't have a voice. It's scary. I don't like a head coach that doesn't have a voice. You know why? Because they have to communicate with the rest of their team. This worries me. Worries me far more about the, than the court stuff going on with the McNairs. I don't think that's a distraction. I think the head coach being hoarse is a distraction. You could use it like do quotes from The Godfather. He needs like a, a trans. He needs some. He needs a translator from horse to English. Oh. Yeah, because he, he can't talk, can't communicate. That scares me. It worries me. I do not like that at all. Uh, here was you guys yesterday, which the video, we don't get very many videos of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Let's be honest. Let's be transparent. Let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Joe fills in for me yesterday. Guess how quickly there's a video. There's a video in the first 30 minutes of the, the show. show got over. Maybe like our maybe the suits upstairs think that he's a better face for the social media. I don't know, but we haven't had a video in weeks. We get one every blue moon. I'm out a day. Joe gets one in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Joe is upper management. Huh, I wonder what's in play here. But here are the killer bees. Joe in for Branham yesterday discussing Bobby Slowick potentially or potentially not leaving. Carolina requested nine coaches. Bobby Slowick was on them. Washington also requested to interview Bobby Slowick. Where are you at with your confidence that he stays? It's one thing to be sought after, to be a candidate. You have to realize you're going to get other offers if you're good at what you do anyway. But if you're not careful as to the job that you pick, it could be your last job. Hey, before I jump ship to another situation, I got a franchise quarterback in year one. I got guys around me that believe in me that I've worked with in the past in D'Amico. If he looks at all that and then looks at what Ben Johnson did last year, I'm going to interview. But at the end of the day, if I feel like all of those offers aren't better than a chance to keep building what I have with the Lions and get a better job the following year, then I'm not going to jump just because the bait's there. All right, so fair points, all good ones. Again, I don't know how Joe got a video filling in in 30 minutes, and we don't get one in months. But uh, a couple, like a lot of people point to Ben Johnson. Like he did the wise thing, staying, and what a smart move by Ben Johnson. Are we sure? Because are any of these current head coaching openings better than C.J. Stroud and the Texans? We any of we, them? We didn't know. Well, oh, you, you're talking about you didn't know what C.J. Stroud was going to be. When no, you, you had no idea. When you took the Texans I mean, job. Certainly this is revision, revisionist history, right. hindsight 2020. But are any of the – but if he took it and they took Stroud at number two, which is likely, well, then Ben Johnson's the head coach of the Texans who are in the playoffs, maybe. Like he's got to build a culture like D'Amico did. D'Amico did an unbelievable job that we don't know if Ben Johnson would do. But he would have C.J. Stroud. Like C.J. Stroud, Houston Texans, right. I would take that over any – Right now you would. Currently, of course. Yeah, but when he was making the decision, 
he didn't know what any of those guys were going to turn out to be. He doesn't know that with the current openings. Right, but well, some of them. If he if he goes to the Chargers and he knows he's got just he's got Herbert, is that a better job some, than than Stroud and the Texans? Right now, it, it, it's a it's a it's a conversation worth having. Back, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I'm just I'm just I'm just saying if you if I'm answering your if I'm responding to your question and answering your question, right now the Texans' job looks great, but he's not the head coach; he's the OC. So if you're looking at jumping to take a head coaching job and you're talking about the jobs that are out there, and and the, and if you're Ben Johnson, if he's uh, still going to be he, from what you believe and what you hear, he's still going to be in the in the interview process for a lot of these jobs. That a year ago, if you looked at jobs with a lot of uncertainties between the players that were going to be on your roster, between the ownership, between everything that you had then, mm-hmm. and now what's out there now with some some teams already have established franchise quarterbacks. Some have a ton of young talent and a top five pick. So you can look at it and say everybody's different in why they select or don't select a job, but... I, I don't think it's fair to say that he passed on the Texans knowing C.J. was going to be C.J. and that the Texans were going to be in the playoffs. Well, I mean, newsflash. Every coaching job that has an opening, usually there are issues with that team. Unless sure, you have, I like, a that. coach that's retired off, of, like, in Alabama. Like, if that was, the, like, the equivalent of that in the NFL. But every team that is looking for a new head coach, for the most part, like, nine times out of ten, has issues. I feel that we give too much credit for Ben Johnson making this wise decision when the best thing, yeah, he didn't know, obviously. You never know. He doesn't know what's going to happen if he goes to the Chargers. He doesn't know what's going to happen if he goes to Carolina, which he could have probably gotten the Carolina job a year ago or at least be on the short list there. But we give Ben Johnson all this credit for making the right decision and staying in Detroit and doing all of these things when the best thing that Ben Johnson could have done would have been to take the Texans job and have C.J. Stroud. It's easy to, it's easy to say that now because sure. of what the Texas easy to say did, that but no. when you look Absolutely. at it and say a, a year ago we just had the conversation about Cal. A year ago, people thought that the owner was a bumbling idiot. That that, every, that that you had a general manager that, that you didn't have the same kind of confidence in Casario uh-huh. being up for executive of the year. You had an Easterby situation that was still kind of still hovering where you were like, What the hell's going on there? You got Carolina with an owner that's volatile as hell, and you look at what his reputation is and how he is and going, I don't know about that. If he was considered for the Denver job, the ownership is, is constantly in fl- fighting, fighting amongst each other and doing all those things to where you look at it and go, look, if, if, if I'm doing something right here with the Lions and we're building something and I know that we're going in the right direction, if I don't, you heard what D'Amico said too, if I don't feel like any of these jobs were right for me, if I keep doing my job the right way and we keep doing the things we're doing, I'll have other opportunities. I understand the thought process, and I'm not saying the thought process is wrong. But if you took the last year coaching openings and you took this year's coach openings, where is the best landing spot? It's Houston. It's Houston with C.J. Stroud. So, like, his thought process was sound. I'm not, I'm not saying that it wasn't. But if he could do it all over again, where would he like to be? He'd like to be in Houston with C.J. Stroud. Like, all the things that you mentioned about last coaching carousel, a lot of those jobs are open again. Like, Carolina still has bad ownership. You mentioned the Chargers. Chargers are notoriously cheap. Yeah, they have Justin Herbert. But when has Justin Herbert won a playoff game? Never. So... Like we, I just feel like we give way too much credit for Ben Johnson. Oh, he made the wise move of pulling his name out of the search. If, ben, if you gave Ben Johnson true serum, what should he have done? Oh, I should have took the Houston job and been married with C.J. Stroud for the rest of my life. Because you talk about probably only getting one chance. Like I, Most coordinators and coaches in the NFL only get one chance to be a head coach. 
there's very few of them that get a second opportunity. It's very, very small percentage. So if you have this one chance to marry yourself to an organization, if you're an offensive coach, you're probably looking for a quarterback that you can marry yourself to. And I agree with you. He had no idea what Bryce Young would be. He had no idea what C.J. Stroud would be. He had no idea what, what any of the rookie quarterbacks would be. But if he could play it back, he would love to be with C.J. Oh, Stroud. But then you look at the quarterback situations here. I agree that like of the coaching openings, the best quarterback situation, I would agree, is the Chargers. I, I, I love Justin Herbert's talent. I think he's really good. Now, has it translated a whole lot to winning? No, never won a playoff game. Washington, terrible quarterback situation. Carolina has Bryce Atlanta. Young after a year, which doesn't look good. Atlanta's quarterback situation's bad. Like, I have no idea where Ben Johnson's going, but if you took the last two years, and yes, you do have a year information on the Houston Texans, Ben Johnson would have been very fortunate and lucky to be the head coach of the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud, especially as an offensive mind. But you could also look at it and say, okay, look, from the standpoint of Ben Johnson, as it translates to the Texans now with Bobby Slowick, if I'm Bobby Slowick and I say, look, we're building something here that's going to only strengthen my reputation across the league. One thing you could do is say, pulling the, 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 the page out of the Ben Johnson book and saying, if I stay and we continue to have success, there are going to be other offers. I can also parlay this into saying with some of the top coordinators in the league, and we saw Wink Martindale walk away from $3 million for next year as a coordinator. You could probably get a raise, get rewarded, and you, you mentioned the fact that the McNairs aren't cheap. You could probably get $10 million as a head coach, though. You could triple your salary. I don't think you're going to get $10 million a year. You, I mean, the ten million a year is like top ten coaches in the NFL. Right. I don't think you're going to come out of the gates with a top ten in, in the league. You're going to get those if you're going to be established. Okay, call it six and let's say double. Like, and that's assuming that he's making three million as the coordinator, which probably isn't. He's probably making around two. So if he gets eight, he's quadrupling his salary. I understand, but for how long and, and how stable of a job is it, as opposed to even strengthening your reputation and and people, the teams that are going to seek you out because you continue to have success and you still get a raise in the process by staying put. Well, think, what if we're think, wrong about CJ? I think here's the other real quick. The other leap that I think we're making is that we're assuming that next year carousel is supposed to be better. Like same thing with Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson assumed this year's carousel was supposed to be better. I disagree. The best job in the last two years was CJ Stroud in Houston. What, what are you saying about well, being what, wrong? Like what if what if we're wrong about CJ? Stroud. Like, what if Bobby Slowick is wrong, too? What if he stays to be with C.J. Stroud? What if the sophomore slump punches, punches yeah, C.J. Stroud I mean, in the face? And then we all the all the glory and all the, the love that Bobby Slowick is getting, it's gone. Like, like you never know. Like, yeah. look at Joe Brady. Joe Brady was the, was the name for so long in, like, a two-year period. Now, like, he's lucky to be back in Buffalo, but he was just a guy. Like, yeah. I, I, dis- I, I wouldn't bet against C.J. Stroud. I, know, like, I, I wouldn't I know either. No, but I know where you're coming from. Because, like, this is your opportunity to guarantee a cash-in. Like, it's a lottery ticket. Let's be honest. Like, this is a chance to lock up your finances for the rest of your life. And I understand he's not making chop liver now, and if he was smart with his money, whatever he does as a coordinator is, is plenty uh, to, like, you know, have financial freedom and all of those things. But Joe brings up the point. Like, Joe Brady's a good one, too. Like, the Texans have a difficult schedule next year. Maybe the coaching mm-hmm. carous- maybe the coaching openings aren't as good a year from now. Maybe he does diminish a bit. Maybe the, top- the Texans' offense goes from being top 10 against what was a poor schedule again- to, like, bottom 15 with-, with a very difficult schedule. And now his star has not brightened. And then all of a sudden, in a couple years, he's fired. Like, these coaches have to, like... Ben Johnson did a rare thing. D'Amico did a rare thing. But a lot of times these coaches feel that they have to strike when the iron is hot. Right. But a lot of times when doing that, they misstep because they didn't 
think it all through and do the due diligence and and, and kind of factor something. But it's as easy as saying that, that that now this looks. It's easy to say right now that it looks like the Texans was the best job and he should have taken it. Sure, but no one could have told you that Cal was going to turn it around as an owner and and and. You were going to get, you but know, but the, and but CJ was going to turn out. But there are leaps with any job that you take. You're 100% right. You had no clue that it was going to turn out this way. Yes, it's revisionist history. Yes, it's hindsight 2020. But any of these openings that you have as well, you don't know how they're going to turn out. Washington's been a dumpster fire for years. Chargers ownership's been cheap for years. Carolina has Dave Tepper that's throwing drinks at dudes. And this coaching carousel was better than last coaching carousel. We're giving Ben Johnson all this credit. I feel like the credit's not deserved. I, I think that Ben Johnson's still being considered as one of the, the top candidates. So he hasn't done anything to tarnish his image. No, but he's going to so get a lesser have, opening. We'll see. I mean, we'll see where he finally ends up. And, and the other thing is we don't know in the negotiations, too, if, if he was getting lowballed too, saying, well, you've never been a head coach before. We're only going to offer you this amount of money. We're not going to offer you a long-term <laughs> deal. Because a lot of these things have to add up, too, to where if I'm willing to take your job, especially if it's the only opportunity I get, I'm looking for financial security. I'm looking for longevity and term of contract so that I do know that I'm going to be able to kind of wade yeah. the water. I mean, he did one interview, to be fair. It, but you Mike. also get terms and length and financial security much more as a head coach than an offensive coordinator. Like, I think this is a huge contradiction that I want to get to on the other side. And what is what is your split? Like, what, are, what do you think are the odds that Bobby Slowick leaves? I think it's 55-45 that Bobby Slowick is gone. What do you think? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville again. Doc Linville, he is the best at the Neograph procedure, in my opinion. The Neograph procedure, if you're not aware of what it is, you need to be aware of it. If you're losing your hair, you've lost your hair, or you don't think you can ever get your real hair back, because he can get it back for you. The Neograph procedure takes hair where you're never going to lose it. Genetically, the sides in the back of your head, you're never going to lose your hair. And therefore, because of that fact, he takes some of that and puts it where you need it most. Maybe it's in front of your hairline. Maybe if, if it's the shiny spot up on top. It depends on where you just tell him where you need it to go. And you talk to him and his staff and you figure it out and they're going to figure it out for you. Move the hair where it needs to go and give you an overall better look, better appearance and a better uh, level of self-confidence. I did the procedure. I cannot rave about it enough because it works and it's your own hair and it's going to be growing in the right direction, looking like it, you were born with it and you're going to love it for the rest of your life. And the fact is, is that he, he, he believes in this process so much that he's reduced the price for the new year. 350 a follicle is where he started. He said, I'm not trying to make money on this. I'm trying to get people to realize you never give up hope. There is something out there that can get you your hair back. And because you listen to ESPN 97.5 and he loves us, that means he's going to give you a free consultation with him and his staff to see if it's right for you, too. They'll explain everything. They'll answer your questions, and you can figure out if you're the next in line to get this great procedure that is absolutely a game changer when it terms to your hair. Check him out today. Go to 975hair.com and sign up for that free appointment right there online. When you do, ask the questions. Get the answers. Figure it out. The one that got me, 95 to 99% of all the follicles that he moves are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. That is the biggest game changer of all. Check them out today. Tell them I sent you by. Go see Doc Linville at 975hair.com.